You're listening to the Triple P Parenting Podcast from 612 ABC Brisbane. For more information, visit abc.net.au slash Brisbane. Well, my guest uh, is Matt Sanders. If If you're a parent of a toddler, what's your idea of a good holiday? I know my bride at the moment just would say a holiday without our toddler. Do you just go to the beach and chill out for a week or are you brave enough to travel to exotic locations? I know people that fly first class, not because they can afford to fly first class, but merely because they want to try and avoid people like me flying with children. Matt Sanders is here to tell me how to keep parents and children happy. What's the secret, Matt? It's a a nightmare for some people travelling with children. It's an absolute nightmare, Steve. And I think uh, we're talking about a very different scenario these days because there are many people who are travelling a lot more. Um, You know, it's not unusual for a parent who's got a 12-month-old to have travelled, you know, six, seven, eight, nine times in an aeroplane. I was 20 before I got on an aeroplane. Things have changed since then. Things have changed a lot, but some things are still the same. And if you think about the kind of the challenge of uh, trying to to help kids navigate either long-haul or short-haul flights, one of the reasons I think this is such a difficult thing is that the... uh, we, we sometimes think about coping with a flight. You're actually dealing with a travel experience that you may have already travelled three hours to get to an airport, for example. Yes. And often the whole process of getting ready and leaving is stressful. People have got a lot of things they've got to do to close up a house, for example, to go away for a couple of weeks, mail, all sorts of things. They've got travel itineraries to worry about. And all you have to do is throw some of the unpredictables into the scenario, like delayed flights, bad weather, problems getting to the airport. And often you've, you've got a youngster whose routine is already majorly disrupted and you're under pressure as a parent yourself. Mm. And children aren't rational beings. <laughs> no, they're, they're not. They're not rational beings. But at the at the same time, there's a certain predictability about why they can experience uh, difficulties in travelling. I mean, if you think about um, certainty in life, children like it. They like predictability. They like everyday routines to be much the same one day to the next. And, of course, in the flying experience, their normal routines can go out the window. Um, How How do you prepare them for somewhere where they haven't been before? Well, I mean, I think it's a very good idea to be prepared yourself so that uh, you're thinking about the journey and even right at the beginning, you're thinking about when you travel with the youngster so that you're not trying to, to travel at a time that's most likely to disrupt their, their, their sort of exit routine. Um, the other thing I would say is in terms of getting ready, you need to, to just remember that busy kids are happy kids. Bored kids are more likely to be disruptive. And so part of the challenge is to make sure that in an environment where there is often not a lot to do and they're constrained, they can't run around, the normal exploratory behaviour that they'd have if they were at home is prevented and you don't have the same level of control over your parenting that you would if you were at home or travelling in a car where you can simply stop and get outside and have a you know, a stretch and a play in a park. It means that you've got to see this as a kind of a high-risk environment for bored, irritable, disruptive kids unless you're planful and have got things to keep kids amused. I mean, one of the things that often gets in the road here is that uh, 
parents try to deal with this with a lot of distraction. Now you say, oh, distraction's a so, good thing. So they need to plan. They really need to plan for the child as well as the actual journey itself. Yeah, I mean, just but itinerary, one, yeah. one simple thing, though, is that the, the notion of... Um, you know, bringing lots of familiar toys and things that kids are used to playing with, well, that's actually not a good idea. You're better to build on a bit of novelty. Okay. So one example would be if you're establishing some simple ground rules that have to do with staying in your seat, using an inside voice, doing as you're asked, because if kids are kicking their seat in front of them and standing up behind them and screaming at passengers behind, this is a formula for annoying other passengers who are often under stress themselves. But how do you get them to sit down, Matt? I've travelled. Okay. I've got a four-year-old. We go on a flight, mm-hmm. and she's excited by it. Mm-hmm. And try to get her to sit down. <laughs> well, I mean, it's okay for kids to stand some of the time. The issue, though, is that if we're talking about, you know, takeoffs and landing and instructions that have to do with keep your seatbelts on, when kids are in their seat, they do need to be restrained but have something to do. You're more right. likely to keep your child yep. sitting down. First of all, if they understand So I need to take a critical. book and I need to read to her. You need While to read to her. She's got something to While look I want at. her to sit down. Yeah, but she needs something to look at, she needs something to play with, and more importantly, she needs attention from you when she's busy. So that's often kids on planes, when they're disruptive, get an audience when they're naughty, when they're misbehaving. And so the whole cycle of pattern of attention changes from misbehaving being associated with most audience behaving well being associated with less of an audience. So what do kids do? They maximise their audience. And so I think part of the challenge here is a few simple ground rules, keeping kids uh, busy as you can, making sure that if they're doing something that breaks a ground rule, you give them a clear direction of what not to do, but follow that immediately with what they should do instead. Not all the don't, don't, don'ts. Mm. You've got to be able to That's allow my kids problem. to know what to do instead. That's my problem. I fear I'm becoming Dr. No to my daughter. Well, and if, if you think about that in an environment where kids don't have much to do, it's an absolute formula for kids being disruptive, complaining, um, you know, and for you, your stress levels going up to a point where kind of becomes more and more irritating, particularly if you've got other passengers looking at you, they're passing judgment about how well you're going. And so I think part of the issue is don't expect a child who is difficult and disruptive before you get on a plane to be perfectly well-behaved when you're (laughs) travelling in a difficult situation. Under no illusions there. (laughs) No, but I mean, what it it suggests, though, is that part of the preparation of children is preparing them to actually be cooperative. So you work on a little bit of compliance training to get your kids um, uh, a little bit more cooperative. So when you need to tell them to stop or to tell them to sit still, you've got a better chance of that working. All right. Now, what about while well, we're on the flying theme, they'll go to cars, but jet lag and babies. Do you need to take measures to get them into a, a regular sleep routine? Well, there's only a certain amount of things that you can do to do, deal with this, and yeah. the passage of time at the other end is, is, is what usually helps kids to eventually get into a new pattern. But often if you're travelling through, you know, nine 
time zone changes, this is going to, t- going to take time. It takes time for us as adults. And I think, the, I think the challenge here in a lot of ways is that, you know, some parents think, oh, well, you know, do you use sleep medication and so on on the flight to, you know, kick them into sleep? You know, there are, there are horror stories with tr- parents uh, who've done can this. Can you use sleep kids. medication? Well, you can, um, but I would do it under medical advice and guidance. And, uh, you know, you can certainly have kids for whom it doesn't work and they'll be awake the whole time. Right. So you could have created an additional problem that you thought you were going to going to solve. My guest is Matt Sanders. This is Triple P Parenting, Travelling with Toddlers. My name's Steve Austin on 612 ABC Brisbane. How long can a toddler or a young one sustain a car trip? How long can they be... Without a stop, you mean, yeah. with continuous travel? Yeah. Uh, look, it varies a little bit between, you know, the, how experienced the child is at the travel game. You know, if they've done it a lot and they've learnt to, you know, we go for a couple of hours, then a break. Uh, I think a lot of parents who are travelling uh, more than a couple of hours know that a break yeah. um, pretty soon is going to be needed. That's often needed for a driver anyway. But, I mean, you're looking for a park, you're looking for a place where the kids can get out of restraints, they can run around... Um, they can just have a bit of a change of the environment and uh, then, the, then the travel can continue. But, I mean, I've known parents who've tried to travel 12 hours in a, in a day with children on a car ride and it's the parent has been so desperate to make it in a particular time frame, they've really forgotten about kids' capacities to cope and it's ended up being an absolute nightmare for them. Yeah. So what about some of those pre-trip uh, whether they're flying or travelling, what are some of the pre-trip things you can do well, to, to get I, them into a, well, the, a the prepared state? Yeah, I mean, for example, all of the travel behaviours, all the safety behaviours to do with travelling safety safely in a plane are think a plane or or a a car of course kids are practicing whenever they're traveling in the car so this should not be new in other words the wheels don't move unless the seat belt's on car etiquette to do with you know staying in your own seat using your hands and keeping your hands and feet to yourself um Noisy, disruptive, tantruming behaviour while you're attempting to drive is a safety hazard. And if you think about basic safety when you're driving with kids, you should be prepared. If you've asked them a couple of times to stop and it's still not stopping, the wheels stop. The journey stops because you cannot continue to put yourself in a situation of being distracted as a driver and increasing the risk of an accident. Okay. How advisable... I'm one of those who tries to keep his... His child not watching television. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have you know I really restrict it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's only four, but I really mm-hmm. particularly restrict it. But on a journey, on a flight, uh, and even exceptions. with and even with cars, yeah, I see a lot of four wheel drives have travelling up and down the freeway with DVD players in the cars that have got the oh. flip screen. You know, is it? Is, it's a good. To it's a good distraction tool. It is. And it's temporary and it's transitional. But there are kids that, you know, I was travelling on a flight back from Auckland to Brisbane yesterday, uh, a child sitting next to me on her own, travelling on her own. She's got an iPad. She's totally got an entertainment system that has to do with everything she wants to watch, all the music she wants to listen to. She was totally absorbed and entertained the whole time. When you're thinking about... Um, you know, living in a world of uh, screen dependence and, you know, parents rightly have a concern about how much TV and screen time kids have. But for these sort of transition times where you've got to get through uh, a bit of an ordeal, then they're very handy. There's no doubt about that. 
Um, but there's also other sort of natural fun things you can do. You can sing, you can I spy. You can, there are many things that require some engagement with the parent to keep the child amused. But, I mean, one little, uh, one little trick for planes is that if you've got some simple ground rules, for every half hour the child is kept to the ground rules, you introduce a little surprise that's wrapped up, and it's like a new toy or something that they oh, haven't okay. ever seen before. It often can be used then for rewarding good behaviour, good travelling behaviours, good safe travelling behaviours, and then instead of introducing it as a distraction for naughty behaviour, you, you introduce it as a reward for having kept to the ground rules of safe travel, and it will then keep them engaged for the next half hour. Um, just little brief, um, tiny little things that they can, you can wrap up and they can unwrap on the plane. Good idea. Anything else? That's a good one. Yeah, I think that's, that's a useful one. The other, the other thing that I, I would suggest is really don't expect anyone else to come to your rescue. I mean, some aeroplanes are really terrific. The flight attendants are child-friendly. They will um, pick up a baby. They'll give the mum a break. They'll take the baby for a little walk. But you can't guarantee that will occur. And so one of the things about surviving the travel experience, if you can travel with someone else who you can share the burden with, particularly if you've got more than one child, um, it makes it so much easier. I mean, the other, the other thing that I would say is that sometimes people have trouble with kids on aeroplanes because they're actually anxious about flying themselves. About 20% of the adult population are scared of flying. And it's interesting, when you're looking after a kid, it sometimes helps the parent deal with their own anxiety, but the stress level is often high. And if you think about the disruption of everyday parenting, the more you can keep it the same and predictable and positive, boundaries, limits, ground rules to make sure kids understand what it is that's expected of them. And if look, let's face it, if you're a passenger in front of a child who's constantly kicking you in the back, they're screaming, um, you can see the parent really struggling and not dealing with the problem at all, it's not a good experience for anyone. You know, and it makes it very unpleasant. So I would suggest that we, we see these situations, kids learning to travel safely as a set of life skills that we need to prepare our kids for and we need to teach them the etiquette of safe travel. Matt Sanders, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Steve. You've been listening to the Triple P Parenting Podcast from 612 ABC Brisbane. For more information, visit abc.net.au slash Brisbane.